Hello, and welcome to Mixed DNA Podcast, the podcast with two mixed race hosts talking about any and everything. Each week, we pick a topic, do some research, throw in our own thoughts and opinions, and put everything together to share with all of you. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. Today's episode, episode number 61, is Mixed DNA and Self-Care. Last episode, we spoke about mental health and the various disorders that can consume a person's life. And while many disorders are helped by regulated medicinal doses or with the help of a professional, there are other things one can do to self-help via self-care. Self-care, by definition, is the practice of taking action to improve one's own health or the practice of taking an active role in the protecting of one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. It is the process of establishing behaviors to ensure holistic well-being of oneself to promote health and to actively manage illness when it occurs. This is relevant for both mental and physical well-being. Self-care can be many things, many everyday simple things. For example, like taking a step back, forgiving yourself, putting yourself first, staying home, or setting boundaries. During today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the eight pillars of self-care, providing some examples and sharing some things we personally do and don't, And we'll also take a look at what self-care isn't, which for some can be an indicator that person should be seeking more professional help than self-help. And in that case, we refer you back to last week's episode on mental health issues. Engaging in a self-care routine has been clinically proven to reduce or eliminate anxiety, depression, reduce stress, improve concentration, minimize frustration and anger, increase happiness, and improve energy. From a physical health perspective, self-care has proven to reduce heart disease, stroke, and cancer. Spiritually, it may help keep us in tune with a higher power as well, as possibly help find your meaning in life. The number one reason that most of us don't engage in enough, or if any at all, self-care is that we don't have the time. Self-care is essential, even if minimal, and one of the best things about self-care is that in many instances, it doesn't even need to cost a cent. Plus, Most self-care routines can be accomplished in the comfort of your own home. Self-care is all about you. What works for one person may not work for another, but that's okay, because that's the beauty of a self-care routine. There are so many suggestions and readings out there about things a person can do to self-care. We'll cover as many examples as we can today. Every individual should be encouraged to keep searching until you find a routine that works best with your lifestyle and yourself. Back to those eight pillars of self-care I mentioned earlier. You'll find across the internet and probably through various professionals that the pillars can range anywhere from six to eight pillars. There's no right or wrong. It's just how you choose to break them down as areas to focus on in one's life. The eight pillars of wellness are physical, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental. It may seem like a lot for any one person to focus on, and we're by no means very good at all areas, or any really, but we do our best, and that's all that can be asked of anyone. Learning how to build strong pillars and keep them strong takes practice and patience and trial and error. For the physical pillar, a person needs more than just physical activity. Healthy hygiene and sleep habits help with healthy physical wellness. Adults aged between 18 to 64 require between 7 to 9 hours of sleep per night and those over age 65, 7 to 8 hours. A tip that many professionals recommend is no devices at least 30 minutes before bedtime, and using blackout curtains and white noise machines to block out light and sounds as you fall asleep. 
When it comes to hygiene, proper habits will make you healthier and also more confident. Showering or taking baths regularly, trimming and cleaning your nails and washing your hands are all essential aspects to the physical pillar of wellness. When we feel lethargic, run down, and not quite yourself, it could be that your physical health is out of balance. Sometimes we don't get enough exercise, or we eat too much processed food, or we're just overly stressed, or you're carrying too much weight, like many of us do. Physical health is essential because our bodies are the vehicle in which we navigate and experience all aspects of life. The basics of physical wellness include sleep and exercise, which Melissa mentioned, but also eating well and not smoking or drinking. It's not enough to know these things, because we all know them. We hear them all the time. We need to make a more conscious effort to do them. I think my physical wellness is great, uh, but it could be better. I want to start building my strength up. I do yoga twice a day, sometimes thrice, depending on how I feel. Um, Sitting at a computer all day is horrible for your body. Um, But I would like to get into more cardio to get my blood flowing. But finding the energy or will to do that is very hard. At least the yoga is on the floor and it's very slow and calming. My sleeping is pretty good, depending on the day I think I get. Between seven and nine hours. But like I said in the mental health episode, I could sleep forever. My hygiene, I think, is pretty good. Although I stay home uh, to work, so I kind of wear the same thing all the time, but I shower every day. So I would say it's not bad overall. My physical wellness is horrible. I'm overweight and I don't exercise and I don't exercise because I'd rather be doing one other thousand million hundred things than exercising. Like I have an elliptical machine in the basement that I really should use, but I don't. In my head, I tell myself, like, just go down there, put on one sitcom, one episode, one 20 minute episode of something and just exercise. But I don't because I'm physically lazy and I suck. I also don't sleep enough. Usually I average about six to six and a half hours a night, which is below the minimum requirement. But it's like my body can't or won't sleep past that amount of time. I probably don't fall deep enough into sleep that I'm unconscious enough. I should probably check my benefits to see if I have like sleep studies or a sleep clinic or something in there. I think that'd be pretty interesting to find out about myself. Hygiene, I'm okay. I bathe, I get my mani pedis at least monthly, and I very regularly brush my teeth. So I've got that going for me. And I also recently quit smoking cigarettes, for which I smoke for like 20 plus years. So that was a big change for my body, which I was very, very sick when I stopped. Like I became very sick from withdrawal when I stopped. And I very rarely drink now. And when I do, it's significantly less than what I used to drink. And what I'm drinking isn't as harsh as what I used to drink either. So that's a change for the better, I suppose. The second pillar, the nutritional pillar, is all about eating a balanced diet that includes fruits and vegetables and food low in high sodiums and sugars. So easy to say. A person's balanced diet should also include whole grains and fat-free or low-fat milk products. Healthy eating and nutrition are closely linked to your mouth and the health of your teeth. There are certain foods that are really bad for your teeth's health and can cause stains like acidic foods, cranberry juice, or tomato sauce. Bright-colored vegetables like pomegranates and beets and beverages filled with tannins like wine and coffee, two of the most consumed beverages on the planet. The nutritional pillar sounds easy enough, yet many of us, myself included, aren't eating a balanced diet. In reality, excuses usually boil down to two things, time and money. 
it's much easier to eat junk food than it is to eat healthier foods that, for the most part, take longer to put together. Making a salad, even a simple salad, washing and chopping all your vegetables takes much longer to prep than grabbing a bag of chips and a bowl of dip. I get it. I have the same problem. My life is very go, 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 as are many people's lives. Another problem of mine is that I hate fruit. Like, I hate it. I never eat it. But I do love vegetables, which I prefer cooked. And I do eat them on the daily, but I'm nowhere near the required standard amount of fruits and vegetables for the day. Why don't you like fruit? Since I was a child, I've had this thing with touching food with my hands. And a lot of fruit is hand-based, like bananas, apples, oranges. And even now as an adult, there are certain kinds of things like I hate. People don't notice, but when I'm at a function, let's say, like if we're at like a friend's house or whatever, watch when I eat things. Like I literally only use two fingers and I have to like wipe my hands after every touch, every single touch. It drives me nuts. I have seen that. I just don't like my hands to get dirty. And I know you can eat lots of fruits with your hand. Like I can cut up apples and berries and watermelon chunks, cantaloupe chunks, but just it's so late now. I don't drink milk. I use macadamia nut milk in the morning for my tea, but I don't like yogurt, so I don't eat yogurt. I do snack on cheese, though. I love cheese. All the cheeses. For many people, chocolate is a weakness, but for me, it's gummies. I love the gummies. All the gummies. Worms, bears. So there's always gummies in my desk at work, and I should probably work on that. I really love gummies, too. They're delicious, but I do like chocolate. I like everything. Um, it's definitely easier to buy takeout or f- foods that are already ready or don't take long to make. It's just finding the energy and the time, like you said, to actually stand there and chop up stuff and cook it. I think in the long run, though, that it's definitely more expensive to buy fast food, isn't it? And it doesn't even keep you healthy. It's like spending all this money on one meal and it's garbage. Um, this year I would like to really stop being lazy with cooking. Um, I feel like it's something that needs to be done and it will only benefit me to make myself better. I also love cheese, all the cheese. Um, I do like lots of fruits and vegetables and depends, but that also causes effort. Like I have to clean it. Such laziness. I do drink milk only in my tea. Um, or if I have an Oreo (laughs) and I like yogurt, but I don't eat it all the time. Do you drink regular milk? Uh, Lactose-free milk. Oh, yes, you are one of those in the lactose club. Yeah, I don't know why. It happened as I got older. Even when I eat cheese now, it's not good, but I love it, so I'll eat it anyway. We don't. In this house, we only have macadamia nut milk and oat milk. Kind of stop, but I do like 2% milk, just the creaminess of it, but no one else will drink it, so it just doesn't make sense for me to... I can't finish a whole carton by myself. (laughs) No, that's a lot of milk. Okay, so back to the fast food. I understand like McDonald's, Burger King, Popeye's, that sort of thing. Okay, that is fast food. But if you buy legit, say Monday night I buy pho and Tuesday night I buy shawarma. And I think that's better, but shawarma is heavy though. Is it really? Okay, how about I just buy a shawarma bowl? Shawarma bowl is good. Pho is good. So is this still considered fast food? Like it's food probably no but it's and it look at all the time i saved but not all the money i saved still yeah it's still expensive that's probably better for you to get those things but at least that's not deep fried i suppose but then the spring roll one the vermicelli mm, i would eat that that's good but it's deep fried all the deep fried stuff is great deep fried deliciousness next up is the emotional pillar 
which covers your feelings, as well as how easily you can understand and navigate your emotions and communicate them with others. We all experience hardships, and the last few years have been difficult for everyone, but it's how we each take a step back and evaluate our emotions in different situations that is important to our overall wellness. Being in control of your emotions and being aware of how they affect your relationships is a crucial part of maintaining a healthy emotional pillar. If it's difficult to regulate your emotions or communicate them with others, it's a good idea to speak to a professional to help build this pillar in your life. If your emotional health is out of balance, a person can experience high blood pressure, ulcers, chest pain, or a host of other physical symptoms. When you feel good about yourself, it's easier to cope with the ups and downs that come with life, especially the bigger events like divorce, separation, or death. Ways to increase and stabilize healthy emotional wellness include being positive, quality sleep, and healthy sleeping habits, establishing boundaries, having a strong circle of support, investing time in hobbies, meditation and yoga, learning to say no, and accepting yourself as you are, even your flaws. That would be fabulous to have all of that together. Uh, I'm not sure how my emotional wellness is. I wish it was like that description, but I don't think it's... Well, I mean, I guess the yoga part, but the meditation would be nice. Or investing in a hobby. My husband got me a cricket for Christmas, which I keep calling a circuit. I need to learn about it. There's so many things that you could learn on it. I would like to read more, but yeah. And then you could start a side hustle. No, no, there's no hustling sides of nothing. I need to start being kinder to myself, which is much harder than one would think, although I'm sure a lot of people think that. I would love to do that. That would be top on my list. My emotional wellness is all over the place, which is why I have a therapist. Her name is Diane. She's lovely. I'm very hard on myself. I've always been hard on myself since I was young. Not necessarily striving for perfection, but to outdo myself. So growing up, I was active in like volleyball and track and field and like very hard on myself to do better. And I was also on yearbook committees and student council and rarely giving myself time to rest, which is why I am the way I am now. And as I said earlier, I still have that like go, go, go mentality like years later. So I have a strong circle. I wouldn't necessarily say it's super supportive, but that's because I don't really talk about what's bothering me. I'm more of a bottle things up kind of person. I co-parent with my son's father, which is not easy. Not because he's a horrible person, but because I still have feelings for him. So emotionally navigating that relationship is always all kinds of difficult, while always ensuring that our son comes first. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, you like break up with someone or they break up with you and you still have feelings and then you both go your own ways and like end of story. But now it's like, I still care about you and I still have to see you and talk to you like all the time. So like that sucks. I'm good at managing my schedule and time and planning ahead. I love like planners and spreadsheets and I use them religiously for everything. And I also have like a paranoia about forgetting things, which is why being as organized as I am is um, very helpful. So another good thing for me is this podcast as it helps me to keep busy. This and the social media that goes along with it. Um, they keep me super busy, a healthy type of busy. At least I think it's healthy. Maybe my therapist might say it's not so healthy, but I'm glad for it. And look, here's another super opposite thing about me and Melissa. <laughs> you are scared you won't forget anything, and I know I won't, but I still think I won't, but I do. Every single time. 
I need to be more of a plenary person <laughs> because I'm horrible. I just don't get why you just don't write shit down. Me neither. Me neither. Put See? it in your phone. You love your phone. Use it. I know, but I don't like the calendar app. I don't know what it is about it. It bothers me. But find a different calendar app. There's thousands of them out there. You must like one of them. Okay, I will find one. Because I don't like that format. The fourth pillar is a social pillar. Social wellness encompasses our connections and relationships with others. Human beings are social creatures by nature, and through daily interactions, we're able to see ourselves through the eyes of others and learn who we are and how we fit into the world. Beyond building relationships with others, the social pillar includes the ability to resolve conflict that may arise and resolve it in a healthy and respectful manner. Social wellness is about developing and maintaining positive relationships with others. Healthy friendships and relationships create a strong support system to reach out to when stresses arise and hardships happen. Building and maintaining these relationships takes dedication, but they will continue to serve you throughout your life. I personally don't do this enough, but friendship is a two-way street, so enough said there. It's important to hold yourself accountable in friendships. Call and check in on your friends that you don't see often, even if, like, your own life is crap, see what's up with others. Maybe they're even doing crappier than you. To build healthy relationships, we need to recognize how people in your life influence you. You need to share your feels honestly. You need to ask for what you need from those in your life. Listen to others without judgment or blame. Disagree respectfully and avoid being overly critical or having angry outbursts and violent behavior. As Melissa knows, my social wellness is terrible. Talking to people sometimes makes me feel like I'm suffocating, which sounds dramatic, but it's... Yeah, I don't like it. I want to like it. Um, I find it very hard to be in social situations because I feel like I never know what to say or when I want to say something, it's not the right thing or it's weird or I offend someone or hurt someone's feelings when that was not my intention at all. Um, a lot of people don't like the person who just says what they're thinking, especially if it rings true to them and it's something that they don't like. Not that I'm right all the time or I'm above criticism. I'm just saying that I feel that's something most people like. I mean, I probably wouldn't like it, but, you know, I can't really get upset because I'm like that. So that really just makes me not want to talk. <laughs> and I also usually don't like what a lot of people have to say or talk about. I find it very empty or, or very boring and I, I don't know. It, it's a lot of effort to care about something you don't really want to talk about or that you don't know anything about or you have nothing to add to it. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong people. <laughs> can second you on that. But do you feel like you're you're like this with new people that you don't know very well or people that you think you should probably not feel this way when you're around them? Yes, both. More so with people I don't know. I don't know, you guys are used to me sitting there and me not really talking. It's not like I have to pretend that I want to talk if it's not something I don't want to talk about because you guys are like, okay, whatever. But in other situations when other people I like are there and I want to talk to them, but like, I don't know what to talk about them with. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or maybe they're being nice to me. And if I start talking, they'll be like, I don't know what to say to this person. So yeah, I don't really know if people like me or when they like me and I think that they don't like me but they probably do I don't know it's very stressful for me I don't know I'm I totally understand you and I'm no better 
because my social wellness is also horrible. Like I don't share my feelings and I don't ask what I need from others. And it's like, I don't expect people to, to know because I haven't told you. But yes, I do find in general, I find people annoying. Like, I just don't like what people are talking about. Like, I don't want to talk about, I don't really know what it is I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about makeup and I don't want to talk about throw pillows or Christmas decorations or like, I just. Is that too mom of a conversation? I guess so. But it's like, what, what do I want to talk about? Like, I just don't find that it's, it's easy to talk about what I want to talk about. I don't really know what I want to talk about specifically, but maybe that's because like, I don't have a place where I can talk, where I can just like walk in the room and say like what I need to say. So I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with people in my life. I love everybody. Otherwise they wouldn't be in my life. I just don't feel like people get me. So I just keep my thoughts to myself. So the past few years, relationships have gotten even harder for me than ever before because pandemic and COVID and blah, blah, blah. But I prefer to be alone. And like, I don't even want to put on like, quote unquote, nice clothes, not to say like an evening gown, like literally, I just don't even want to put on like jeans and like makeup and go into a public space and mingle with strangers or non-strangers. I'm depressed, like my therapist says. So maintaining a strong social pillar is extremely difficult for me. The fifth pillar is the spiritual pillar. Spiritual wellness is unique to each individual, whereas all other pillars are very general in their specifications. Spirituality is defined as the traditions and values by which people live. It helps to give a sense of purpose and meaning to life, which, in turn, helps guide actions. Many people develop this pillar through meditation, prayer, or other means of fostering a connection to a higher power. Spiritual wellness is an important component that helps us work through tough times and develop resiliency and grace when we have obstacles in life. Other ways besides meditation to increase spiritual wellness include volunteering or helping others, practicing yoga, spending time in nature, speaking with a chaplain or a higher up in position in a spiritual field, or connecting with your faith community or seeking out a new one, if the one you were raised in doesn't meet with your outlook or life anymore. I say that because I was raised Roman Catholic, and while there are things about the church that I agree with, there's more that I don't agree with with the church. So I don't condemn the church. I was raised in it, but I'm not comfortable actively practicing something that is very against things that I see no problem with, like divorce or abortion and LGBTQ, just to name a few. So I don't do anything spiritual per se. I believe what I believe and I try to implement and lead a strong moral life. But I know there's probably more that I should do, but you know, excuses and time. I agree with you. I was also raised in a Roman Catholic church, and I pretty much don't agree with the majority of what they say. A lot of the things they do and support are infuriating and disgusting, but I will leave it at that. Um, I would like to be more spiritual and meditate, like I've said before. It's, you know, to calm my brain and give myself some peace from the everyday BS of overthinking and just life, but it's very hard for me to actually listen to a meditation and sit there but I know it comes with practice but I'll be meditating and she'll talk and I'll be like oh remember that thing you did the other day I don't know it seems pointless if I keep talking in my brain but then again I don't know if that comes with practice or it probably does so while I was doing research for this episode like meditation kept coming up over and over and over again and I was like 
I read so many things about meditation in like a few hours span. I was like, let me try to meditate. So I like shut off the TV. I shut down all the devices I was using. And so many things said to like, you know, let's like lie down, close your eyes, set a timer for five minutes because you want to do at least two to three minutes. And it may take you two to three minutes to actually get into a decent enough place where you can actually say you're actually meditating. And then just start, close your eyes and then breathe. And just focus on your breathing. Like, don't let your mind stray from your breathing. And if your mind does stray, then just come back to your breathing. Overly concentrate on your breathing. It's all about the breath. So I shut everything down and I laid, I put a pillow on the floor and then I lay down on the floor and I closed my eyes. And I must have breathed like, I don't know, five breaths when I was like, a thought about this episode. I don't remember what the thought was. Came into my mind. I was like, I have to write that down. And then I just like jumped off the floor and flung open the laptop again and just. And that's why I can't meditate because it's like if I get a good idea and I can't stop and write it down and then I'll, I'll literally forget it. I can only do ones where some it's guided meditation. I can only do something like that if someone's talking. So what she says is I'm going to say a couple affirmations and you repeat the ones that ring true to you and the other ones you can just like whatever. So she says these these things are like I'm calm and I'm at peace and I'm grounded for whatever so then you say na 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 or whatever but if it's just silence i can't do that because then i'm like just like you like what's that squirrel squirrel the sixth pillar is intellectual intellectual wellness is built by opening yourself up to experiences that inform and challenge your thinking developing a healthy thirst for knowledge long after formal education has ended is a great way to form new skills and interests throughout your life this can be as simple as having deep intellectual conversations with family and friends or setting time aside each day to play brain or word puzzles like crosswords or Sudoku. Lifelong learning can lead to new hobbies and interests. This podcast definitely helps both of our intellectual pillars. The podcast is a newish hobby and there is no lack of learning happening on a weekly basis. And not just for the weekly content, but for the process of hosting, posting, editing a podcast as well. It's all a learning experience that we're both grateful for. Other ways to increase your intellectual wellness include the development of good study and time management, the ability to challenge yourself to see all sides of an issue, become a critical thinker, expose yourself to new ideas, people, and beliefs so that you can develop your own ideas, views, and opinions. I'm not sure how my intellectual pillar is. I mean, I like to be smart. Um... I always want to be smart all the time. Um, this podcast definitely helps with that. Since doing this, I've got to learn about so many things. Learn about Melissa more and more and myself a little more and more each time. Um, I would like to start reading more. I think I mentioned that earlier. Prior to my Maxwell days, I used to read a lot. Fiction mostly, lots of sci-fi, dystopian type things. And I've tried now and again to do Audible. And I didn't like it at first, but near the end yes there was an end basically it got too pricey so i keep hearing that spotify is going to get access to books so i'm eagerly awaiting that day so i don't have to pay for like an audible and a spotify because i really need the spotify i don't really need the audible it's more of a luxury even though i like the books but at least in spotify you have music and podcasts whereas in audible you have podcasts, but it's like I already have the podcast in Spotify, so it's like they're crossing over where I don't need them to cross over. So, But I do miss the books. The next pillar is the financial one. 
Being financially well means living within your means and prioritizing saving for your future. It's important to be able to set aside money for the future as well as things you're passionate about. The financial pillar is tough to start developing, but you'll be glad you did, especially when you get older. Being financially well trickles into other pillars such as physical and emotional, as money troubles can take a toll on a person's mind and body. Financially planning and being able to maintain a budget each week, month, or year is a good place to start. Good places to start building your financial pillar include paying your bills on time, limiting the totals on your credit cards, lines of credit, and loans, keeping your debt to a minimum, limiting the number of credit cards you have, and building to maintain a good credit score. I dug myself into a very deep financial hole that I was having a hard time pulling myself out of, so much so that I had to seek the assistance of debt professionals. Luckily for me, I did this right before the pandemic started and the world went into chaos, and even now we're in more financial chaos than we were before, so I'm happy to say that my path to financial freedom has been going very, very well, and I am almost paid off. One more year of payments to go. So it's been interesting living and navigating life without credit cards, but because of this, I've learned how to budget very well, thanks to spreadsheets, and um, how to navigate life without credit cards. I know how to allocate my money each paycheck to my expenses and still have time to save for fun things and Maxwell's future and so that we can do fun and spontaneous things like go to theme parks, restaurants, vacations, and we save via our SPs, our ESPs, and my TFSA um, that the best, the best I can. So I do know that how important it is in this day and age to have credit and a good credit score. So at some point I'll need to jump back into the world of credit cards, but that makes me nervous because even though I've done so well, just knowing I have that little piece of plastic that lets me spend unconditionally, even though I know it's not, there are conditions, it just makes me nervous that I'll have to go back there one day. I've always been scared of credit cards and I got my first one in my mid thirties, I think. I was scared. I never wanted to have one. Um, but the one I have is only a thousand dollars and I leave it at that because they also scare me. I think my financial pillar is very weak, very weak, and needs to be better as soon as possible as I am getting into that older age. Um, I'd like to do all those things, RSPs, and an RESP for Preston for sure. One day at a time, though. When I think of finances, it instantly stresses me out, which I'm sure it does a lot of people. The eighth and final pillar is the environmental one. Environmental wellness deals with your immediate surroundings and the community where you live and work. This involves respecting the environment you live in by doing the best you can to support it. This includes reducing waste, reusing what you can, and recycling or volunteering to help clean, maintain, and beautify areas of the city where you live. Cutting back on your time in the car, opting for a bike, a walk, or public transportation is a big help, as is carpooling. Other ways to increase your environmental wellness include using natural products instead of ones with chemicals, reducing allergens and improving the air quality in your home, decluttering, Get more nature in your life with walks and hikes. Limit your screen time and use more eco-friendly and recycled materials in your home. My environmental pillar is adequate, I would say. We recycle and I walk every day at lunch with my son uh, before his nap. I mean, it definitely could be better. I recycle and that's about all I do for my environmental pillar. I used to walk a lot when I lived in the city, which isn't exactly nature walking, but when I do walk, I prefer an urban walk over like a naturish walk. 
I drive every day to work and back. It's not good for the environment. If transit were better in this city, I would use transit because I'm not opposed to transit. I loved it when I lived in the downtown core, but in the suburbs, transit here sucks. Yes, it definitely does. To help with the growth and stability of your pillars, we suggest avoiding screens for 30 minutes prior to sleep, exercise, start a journal to help understand and work through your feelings, reach out to friends you don't see often, try meditating for a few minutes each day to help center your thoughts, read books, and maybe join a book club or a club of some sort to increase intellectual conversation or learn a new skill. Set aside money for future and for passionate spending and spend as much time in nature as possible. Self-care is essentially putting yourself first. It may seem selfish, and it kind of is, but it is essential to your well-being and your overall mental health. Self-care includes the awareness of your own needs, but self-care is not, number one, constantly putting others before yourself. This one is especially hard for parents, especially when little ones always are your priority. I need to do this more for myself, but spending time alone away from your children is important for any parent's well-being because you're an individual before you're a mom or a dad. And number two, self-indulgence is not self-care. Moderation is the key to self-care, and treating yourself is important, but ensure you do it responsibly. It can sometimes be very easy to mistake self-indulgence with self-care. There's a big difference between going to the mall and spending $500 in one go versus spending $500 that you saved for months for a pair of shoes that you really wanted. Every person's approach to self-care and their journey to build their pillars will be different because we all come from different places with different support structures, different resources, and we're all on different paths. Unfortunately, not all of us have access to the best resources to help with mental care and wellness. The importance and conversations about self-care became prominent and at the forefront during the pandemic, and luckily is still something people are very much talking about. The pandemic hit teachers, nursing, hospitality, and retail extremely hard. These are occupations where women predominate, and no group felt the pressure of COVID-19 more so than the black and brown women, as noted by Sophia A. Nelson, an author and journalist for CNN. Women continually struggle to balance self-care against filling the needs of their children and families. Women have perfective, obsessive selflessness to an art form. They end up exhausted, emotionally drained, and in many cases, unhealthy, because they are conditioned to serve the needs of others and display superhuman strength to their own detriment. For women of color, they juggle those needs against a backdrop of intergenerational trauma and suppression of their emotions. The effects of environmental stresses on women of color is severe. Studies have found that by the time a woman of color reaches her 50s, the toll of stress on her body has resulted in an additional seven years of biological aging compared to that of white women. Women of color, especially black women, are more likely to die from breast cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. In short, for black and brown women, focusing on self-care is a matter of survival. These women need self-care that liberates their souls, the kind that allows them to be their authentic selves. The kind that lets them wear their hair how they want, doesn't discourage their larger or heavier bodies, lets them speak their truth so they can seek healthier relationships and friendships. This is the kind of self-care that lasts a lifetime. Olympic gymnast Simone Biles, tennis star Naomi Osaka, and actress Taraji P. Henson have all in the past year spoken up about the importance of their mental health. They've taken the time to step back from their high-profile lives to ensure they took care of themselves. When it comes to self-care, start by asking yourself what you want, what you need, and how you're feeling. 
Your inner voice will provide the answers. All you need to do is trust in yourself and listen to the wisdom you already possess about yourself. And with that, that is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening and remember to like, subscribe, or follow Mixed DNA Podcast wherever you're listening from right now. It's also a big help if you leave a review on the platform you listen to your podcasts on. That ensures that we're reaching a wider audience. Also, remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Mixed DNA Podcast, where each week we post relevant information to the sites, links, and articles that helped us put together our weekly episode. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.